We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the October 26th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Derek Van Riper and I are going to catch you up on the last minute news, notes, etc., to get you ready for the weekend. We are recording this at approximately 3 o'clock Eastern time on Friday. All right, let's go over Dolphins, Texans first. Will Fuller, we can't have nice things. That's not. Good at all. He had such a good game, too. Yeah, that stinks. I mean, Will Fuller's a great player. He's just had lots of seemingly minor injuries prior to this point. This is a huge one with the, the ACL injury, and it was confirmed earlier today, earlier Friday, with an MRI. That that's exactly the injury that he suffered. Uh, it creates a pretty big opportunity in the Houston offense, which it always feels weird to move on from a, hey, your season's over and maybe part of next year's impact too, to move on right away to the what's going to happen next. I mean, Kiki QT is uh, absolutely in a position to take on at least some of what Will Fuller was doing. But I almost wonder if DeAndre Hopkins gets that nudge back up into extreme target monster status. He had a good game last night too, right. scored a couple of touchdowns. And you kind of wonder how much more they'll involve their tight ends, and if they might be among the teams interested in trading for some wide receiver help, whether it's a, a Demarius Thomas type or maybe even a guy who played on the other side of this matchup last night in Devontae mm-hmm. Parker. Mm-hmm. Speaking of De- – before we get to Devontae Parker, uh, I agree with – you know, it's some, someone's got to get the targets, but Will Fuller's kind of a, 
a unique guy, or at least he's different from those other guys. Do you think his absence dings Watson at all? I think it does, and I think it's because we've seen how well Fuller has played since Watson became the starter last season. I mean, the big playability, the runs where he's just been a TD machine, Will Fuller has been very, very good on a per-game basis. Had a few duds kind of sprinkled in weeks five, week six this season where he didn't score. Had low volumes because of those game scripts being a little off. But ultimately, I think this does bring down the ceiling on Watson. And it seems weird to say that the day after he throws five touchdown passes and the day after, you know, you and I were concerned about him just because the rushing attempts were down, the yardage was down, and he couldn't fly on a plane last week to go to Jacksonville. Like That seemed pretty significant to me. So if you sat Watson for you know like a top 10, top 12, fringy quarterback, I, I think your process was okay. You just kind of got torched by the Dolphins going full Dolphins in this one. And from a, a basic analysis standpoint, he wasn't running wild last night. He was just tearing apart that secondary through the air. So... It's frustrating on the one hand if you sat him down in season long, but it certainly makes you feel a lot better about him, especially with the extra time to recover before week nine in Denver. And then, of course, with that bye looming in week 10. Yeah, if if, when we talked yesterday about sitting Watson and recommending it, if you had told me, yeah, he's going to run once and throw 20 times, I would have said, yep, okay, good. That we're right. So I agree with you. The process was right. It just, you know, it didn't work. Um, We were right about Lamar Miller. We were excited about him. Thought he was in a good spot. Uh, ran pretty well. 18 for 133 and a touchdown. Almost had that second touchdown. He ran for 50, what, eight yards and got tackled inside the 10. Um, speaking of Devontae Parker, so we joked this week that Adam Gase basically said, you know, after Parker's agent called Gase incompetent, that when Gase was asked about Parker playing, Gase basically said, well, there's nobody else. So, yeah, he'll, he'll, be, he'll play. So, Parker... Goes six for a buck thirty-four on nine targets. He had one really freaky lucky catch where it got tipped off his guy and then tipped off the other guy and then ten yards upfield he caught it. But aside from that, he actually played pretty well and produced. Now, if he stays with the Dolphins, what what do we got here? I mean, what are the Dolphins? The Dolphins are four and four. The idea that they trade him to Houston because it's funny. Some someone joked on Twitter today that the Texans shouldn't even let Parker get on the plane to leave town because they need a receiver. Well, okay. But the Dolphins, even though we think they're a bit of a mirage, they're four and four and they're down two receivers. Now they're going to trade this guy? Yeah, it's it's weird. But what's with Adam Gaze not liking very talented players? I mean, he didn't like Jay Ajayi and that led to Ajayi being traded away. The same kind of thing seems to exist with Parker because Parker was a healthy scratch last week against the Lions. Like, how do you have a guy who's a healthy scratch one week come out and rip up the opposing defense for six and 134 on nine targets and you go back through Devonte parker's year over year efficiency as a rookie he was close to 10 yards per target year two 8.6 last season things really fell off quite a bit down at seven flat uh, injuries have kind of nagged him throughout his time in the league it just seems really odd to me that if you're adam gay as you're coaching for your job and if Devonte parker is not good enough to get on the field one week, but he's this good the next, it seems like it's proof that you've been wrong in how you've handled him. Yeah, I, I think that that might be true. And his stats, for the last two years, they have not been bad. So if you own Devontae Parker, Dolphins are home in week nine to the Jets. If you own Devontae Parker, are you? do you think you're going to start him next week? Are you looking ahead and saying, 
this might have been a fluke? Or are you going, I think we may have turned a corner here, and I'm going to roll with this guy? I think you still are looking at him as like your third receiver or a flex type. And I think okay. the it, it comes down to the uncertainty with Gaze. I mean, if, if some of the receivers that weren't available last night are back out there, that might lower my expectations for Parker for next week as well. Uh, you look at next week, though, there's six teams on by, so it's a bigger bye week, so that chips away at your rosters even further. We're probably going to pick up some more injuries in week eight, so that'll make things more complicated as well. Um, so I, I could just see that kind of nudging Parker further up, and if the Jets' secondary is still banged up, that could be one more mark in his favor for week nine as well. Now, the trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday. It's 4 o'clock Eastern in the afternoon on Tuesday. Maybe he's not even on this team this time next week. I mean, that still seems like a very realistic sort of possibility even though the Dolphins have kind of publicly put out some pretty unrealistic expectations as far as a return for him via trade. All right. Um, the last thing, Kenyon Drake owners, are we good now? Are we all, are, are we past our, look, I know Frank Gore ran more, but Drake, you know, he's getting somewhere between 12 and 17 touches. He runs well whenever he gets a chance. I know the touchdown reception was weird because Amendola threw it to him, but he's productive. Like if you drafted him in the fifth round, I know we got some helium late in the summer, but if you drafted him in the fifth round as you're running back to, at this point are you looking at Kenny Drake and going, I think I'm okay now. I'm not worried anymore. I might not get the breakout guy that I was hoping to get, but the RB2, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You're probably okay with what you're getting now. I mean, he's he's become more TD dependent because Frank Gore still getting about 40% of the snaps every week. Last night, it was 12 carries for each of them, and it was just the value in the passing game that really put Drake over the top, and he scored twice, so that also was a big difference maker as far as those two guys are concerned. But I think, yeah, as an RB2, that's that's sort of what he's settled into at this point. And I think there was some hope that if you went receiver early in drafts, you went receiver-receiver, or maybe you went uh, receiver with a tight end like Gronk or Kelsey, maybe that Kenyon Drake in round three or four could end up being like a lower-end RB1. I think as long as Frank Gore keeps getting 40% of the snaps, yep. that seems like it's kind of impossible. He kind of needs Gore to fade out of the game plan a bit if he's going to reach that sort of level. But yeah, it looks like a steady RB2, especially in leagues where you get at least a half point for a catch. All right, and, and back to your comment about Parker. And a wide receiver three or flex, compared to where he was a week ago, which was not on many rosters, that's a big leap. So that's that's po- that's very positive for Devontae Parker. Where he's going to be next week? Yeah, we don't know. I think it's still in Miami. Folks, check us out on Twitter. Derek is at Derek Van Riper, and I'm at jhalpin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, and you can find us on Facebook, where I, I know Tim does the Tim's doing his uh, his Q and A. What are we calling it? I forgot. Uh, it's like a Facebook. Yeah, chat. I'm, Tim, if you're <laughs> listening, I'm sorry. I don't I remember what it's called, but it's pretty cool. And I'll look it up before the end of this episode. Um, week eight buys Chargers, Titans, Cowboys, Falcons. We went through the game by game yesterday. If you'd like to listen back to that, please check it out wherever you're listening. Uh, but for today, all right, injury update Friday afternoon. Here's what we've got. Like I said, right now, I'm talking at 315 Eastern time out Leonard Fournette. His teammate, A.J. Bouye, which is interesting um, because, you know, Jags have lockdown corners and now they're down a lockdown corner. Royce Freeman out. Could be a nice setup for Phil Lindsay. Dalvin Cook, most likely out. Sony Michelle, most likely out. Blau Powell out, injury reserve. The Bucks again, will be without lineman, Gerald, defensive lineman Gerald McCoy. Tackle Vinny Curry uh, at end. That's a nice spot for um, Joe Mixon again. Torrey Smith out for the Panthers. You might see a little more DJ Moore, a little more Curtis Samuel. Darren Sproles out. Alec Ogletree out for the Giants. So now up the middle. 
We have no Damon Harrison, no Alec Ogletree for the Giants to face Adrian Peterson. Uh, Vontez Perfect out. The Colts are going to be without their excellent young safety, Malik Hooker. Chiefs will be without Eric Berry and Justin Houston. That's a long list. I think the one I want to talk about is Royce Freeman. With him out, the Chiefs have been very vulnerable to opposing running backs. That was the argument for Mixon last week. Didn't quite work. I guess it depends on how you think this game flow goes. But Philip Lindsay doesn't have a lot of competition there. You might see a little more Devontae Booker. But Philip Lindsay appears to, if you look at the numbers, be in line for a nice outing. Yeah, I think when you look at some of the week-to-week snap shares, it's more like high 30s for Lindsay and Freeman and then low 30s or high 20s for Devontae Booker. So I would assume that of the 30% or so that Freeman normally plays, maybe like 20% of those snaps go to Lindsay, 10% go to Booker. And maybe in some very deep PPR settings, Booker becomes relevant. But I think if Denver is going to keep this game close, keeping Patrick Mahomes and that offense off the field is one way to do that. Relying a little less on Case Keenum, uh, trying to get him into some more like third and short situations is a way to do that. And Philip Lindsay is proving to be their their best runner, which is just something that I, I never thought we'd be saying back during draft season. So I'm looking at Philip Lindsay this week and. You know, he's not quite like a cash game guy in DFS. I'll have the, the DFS episode with John McKechnie up later today. But I think he's certainly at the point now in season long where you're feeling really good about Lindsay so long as Freeman is out. Whereas when Freeman's healthy, you're still a little bit skeptical because they turn it into something of a three-headed monster, at least in terms of who's getting on the field. So skinning up that tree a little bit is a very good thing for Philip Lindsay. And the Chiefs run defense is pretty soft. I agree with you. As as much as I mean, the the Rotowire projections, the weekly projections, have Lindsay at RB eleven. But as friendly as this matchup looks against a bad Chiefs defense, I agree with you. It's it doesn't it doesn't scream cash play <laughs> because I looked. I, I, it, like I said, it's just like Mixon last week. I'm looking, going, yeah. What if they're losing thirty five to ten? So yeah, I mean, he should still be involved, but he's not the only back that catches passes. I think if he. If he were their only option in those passing down situations, then he could be more cash game viable. Yep. All right. Um, back in or, or in when we weren't sure, uh, looks like Jack Doyle's playing for the Colts. Out of Vinatieri, there was some iffiness about him. He should be ready to kick. Geronimo Allison at uh, the Packers. Geronimo Allison back. Randall Cobb's still questionable. Do you think Cobb's going to play? I have only a faint guess on this just because like it, it seems it seems like going full practice on Friday is an indication that he's going to going to going to go a little closer to probable than questionable but if you're still on the injury report following the bye week then yeah you know it's not a lock so yeah I would say a 70% chance that he probably plays 65 70% uh, and that's certainly it, it doesn't completely change the look of the Packers offense but I think having Having that stability at wide receiver, relying a little less on the, on the youngsters can be a good thing for the offense as a whole, even if Cobb himself isn't necessarily a lock to be in your season-long lineups. More Marquez Valdez-Scantling. There you go. I love saying that. Did you see, by the way, when I, a couple weeks ago, when they were going to play him and Equinemia St. Brown, I tweeted something out. Did you ever see the Gilbert Godfrey, this is the land of the three-name people bit? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he used to do this thing in stand-up. Where he, he said, you know, so I'm in the woods and I'm walking around and Jan Michael Vincent comes out and said, this is the land of the three name people. What are you doing here? Two name men. And then Farrah Fawcett Majors. And, the, and, you know, he starts rattling off three named celebrities and they wind up chasing him and threatening to kill him. And they chase him out of the land of the three name people. 
And then he walks into a clearing in the woods and he's, he's okay. And he sees a young woman. He said, what's your name? She says, Madonna. <laughs> and then Sting and Seal and Prince came out and they said, this is the land of the one name people. We will make you king, two named men. So anyway, <laughs> when I saw Skid Marcus, all this scantling, and you can hear me say Brown, somehow that popped into my head and I couldn't stop laughing. So yeah, that's uh, I mean that's pretty. Those those are pretty insane names. Jamon Moore too, even is unusual, not a three part name, but that whole rookie class is like extremely tall, like fast guys that should be able to contribute at some point. And the way it's gone down the last few weeks with Cobb banged up, with all with Allison banged up, Valdez Scantling seems to have separated himself a little bit. Seventeen targets in the last two games, so even if Cobb and Allison are both back out there and Adams is going to get his and Jimmy Graham has his role, you know, Valdez Scantling would be more of like a single game DFS contest sort of consideration in the shorter term, unless one of those guys gets hurt again. All right. Um, The other guy who's playing Peyton Barber is going to play. We were uncertain about him yesterday when I offered yesterday um, to Derek that Peyton Barber might be out. Would he play Ronald Jones? He said, no hard pass. So he doesn't have to worry about that now. Um, I'm, I'm lucky because Jones played more snaps last week. He didn't do a whole lot with them. He scored, but the efficiency wasn't there. But I was positioned uh, to maybe have to walk that back if Barber was going to be out. But yeah, he fully practiced today. So yeah, out. Both of them. Sit both of them, everybody. You, you save yourself some headache. So to be determined, uh, we got a long list here. Marlon Mack practiced today. He, uh, he didn't practice Thursday. Worried everybody. He practiced today. We don't have any definitive answer, but um, I would lean like he's going to play at this point. LaShawn McCoy is still in the concussion protocol, as far as I know. Um, he was limited today, and that's a Monday game, so you might have to make a decision Sunday morning, and if your decision is uncertain, that means it's a no. Same thing for Gronk. Have you heard anything on Gronk today? He was present at the start of practice, and I don't think I ever saw an official designation for how much he did. I think if you're a Gronk owner and you want to play it safe, if Charles Clay is available, that's probably the the bench piece you want to try and, and stash away if yep. you're going to wait it out until the last minute. Um, Matt Breed is still a maybe for the Niners, which would affect if you had Raheem Mostert. Um, Robbie Anderson, doubtful for the Jets. Um, so that's Anunwa out, Anderson, doubtful. So your receiving tree is – talk about a skinny receiving tree there. What do we got it's here? It's very, very bad. I mean, they may have to lean more heavily – on the tight end position, Chris Herndon might be in line for a lot of work again this week. I know Rashard Matthews just got there, so it's really hard to imagine him stepping in and getting a lot of targets. Uh, so Curse and and probably Chris Herndon lead the way. And I mean, they lost Bilal Powell too to that neck injury, which may end up being a career-threatening injury. Uh, I was trying to decide if if Trenton Cannon gets on the field a lot for passing down situations, or yep. if Isaiah Crowell, who's actually caught a decent number of passes the last two years, despite being in an offense with Duke Johnson. He's got 68 catches the last two seasons prior to this one. If he ends up absorbing some of that passing down work. Yep, I agree with you. Um, Otherwise here, Allen Robinson, technically questionable. Uh, The Vikings defense again, update. Xavier Rhodes and Anthony Barr. I think Rhodes was limited in practice today, but Barr wasn't there, if I read correctly. Um, Pierre Garçon's a maybe. Chris Thompson's questionable for the Redskins again. Paul Richardson is in the same boat. So the Redskins again can be down to, you know, Josh Doxson, Jordan Reed, and Adrian Peterson. But let's see how that goes on Sunday morning. All right, let's go to our streaming defenses. Um, I don't love the options this week. Cardinals, if we're going to start at 40% on Yahoo, which is normally our threshold, Cardinals 40% owned at home against C.J. Beathard. Actually, let me give you two there. 
Cardinals 40% home against Beathard. Niners 22% owned in the same game against Josh Rosen. Which one do you like better? Hmm. It's a really tough call. I mean, I, I, I think there's some dead cat bounce with the Cardinals as a team. You know, getting <laughs> rid of Mike McCoy. It, 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 it's, it's a, that's an Erickson special. He, he uses that one quite a bit. But I, I think... I do think Byron Leftwich will change the usage of David Johnson in a way that's meaningful for the offense and probably provides just an efficiency lift for the offense and probably just an emotional lift for the team as a whole. It's like it's like getting the house off the witch and and you know just getting it going again. I think that's going to change things quite a bit with the Arizona defense even though it's, you know, a move made on offense. They might be on the field less. They might be a little less tired as a result. They might actually be playing with a lead. They might actually be comfortable blitzing against C.J. Beathard a little bit. Um, so the edge for me would go to the Cardinals. Basically, I agree with the the ownership rates in this case. I think the Cardinals should be more heavily owned than the Niners. Uh, I think the, the thing that I'm most concerned about for the Cardinals' sake is outside of David Johnson, can Josh Rosen exploit San Francisco's secondary? Because it's certainly a beatable pass defense if you can you know, execute and make the throws you got to make. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. So, David Johnson, speaking of, we were skeptical about him. We talked about him a little yesterday. About can we trust yet that they're going to use him the right way. You know, the more I read about I read it about a little bit yesterday. And we talked about Byron Leftwich. And Byron Leftwich has talked a lot this week about working with Bruce Arians. Like, I, I felt better the more I read about it. You know what I mean? Because Leftwich mm-hmm. was saying, you know, yeah, I spent, I was, you know, in the film room with Bruce every night figuring out how to run this offense. And you go, okay, well, if, I mean, Bruce Arians used David Johnson pretty well, right? So, so it's got me hopeful. I just don't know how quickly you flip a switch like that uh, when it comes to play calling, you know? But generally, I'm more hopeful than I was earlier in the week. Are you? Yeah, it's just, it's trending that way. Again, I don't want to go overboard assuming that everything goes back to the exact level we thought, but there were flaws on this Arizona team when Bruce Arians was the head coach in terms of the personnel being suspect in a lot of positions, and he got a lot of mileage out of that roster. I think that's something that Cardinals fans and fantasy analysts have come to realize to begin this season. Like We probably did not appreciate Bruce Arians as much as we needed to with respect to what he was getting out of David Johnson with that offensive line with inconsistencies at quarterback play. I mean, Carson Palmer had one massive year took kind of a big step back as health caught up to him. Uh, the offensive line inconsistency was one of those things with Arizona that I think was an ongoing problem. And, and they were able to produce despite that aging. Larry Fitzgerald was very productive in those offenses as well. And if Leftwich was as tight with Arians throughout Arians time there as, as he's saying like, that's, that's it is more of a positive than if he had you know no interest in sitting with Bruce Arians and, and going over film and things like that in the past. So I, I think it, it bodes well for his chances of 
uh, finding ways to have some success on that side of the ball. There, there's more talent there now. They add Christian Kirk. Yep. Now the line seems to be a little bit better. You know, you have a really athletic tight end, Ricky Seals Jones. There's some other stuff they can do now that they didn't have available even two years ago in Arizona. All right, another team I've got my eye on here, the Chiefs. Just because Case Keenum can be turnover prone, they're 27% owned on Yahoo. Do you like, do you like the Chiefs? Is there anybody else lower on the ownership scale that you're interested in? Uh, there was one defense I was looking at earlier in the week, and it jumped up. It was it was Pittsburgh coming off the bye. Their ownership rate was down, but they're up over 75% right yeah. now on Yahoo, so you're not sneaking them through anymore. I think the other defense I was thinking about, no, it wasn't Cleveland because they're on the road. No, that was pretty much it this week. I mean, Indy against Oakland, they're still available in about 58% of leagues. Yep. That's that's a pretty good defense to to roll out there because they can they can get some pressure. They can force some turnovers. You mentioned Hooker not being out there though. That does take uh, a little bit of the appeal away from the Colts, especially since they're on the road this week. All right. Folks, fantasy draft, we put players first. We've got super flexible lineups. For the NFL, there's no kicker, and you can draft four running backs if you want. In the NBA, lineups are even more flexible. If you want five guards and two centers, no problem. They've got a $100,000 run-and-gun weekly feature GPP with a $25 buy-in. They've got a $500,000 fantasy draft championship. There's $100,000 to first. Weekly qualifiers are happening now. That comes with a Week 16 final. There's rake-free head-to-head for contests under $200 or half the rake of the other guys for the rest. That means if you and a friend both enter a $100 head-to-head, the winner gets $200. Fantasy Draft takes no rake, no fees, no nothing. So go to Fantasy, go to fantasy Draft, sign up with refer code ROTOWIRE, and you get a free $4 GPP ticket with your initial deposit. That's a pretty good deal. So again, fan, go to Fantasy Draft, make your initial deposit and register with the refer code ROTOWIRE, and you get a free $4 GPP ticket. Fantasy Draft, we put players first. Okay, it's time for our emergencies. Our plug-and-plays are... Or, oh no, what if, like last week, Player X is found to be out on Sunday morning, like Gronk? No, we knew about Gronk. There was someone else Sunday morning that surprised us last week. I don't mm, know who it was. Who was it last week? It was Delvin Cook two weeks ago, right? Right. Gronk was Saturday that we knew about him. Anyway, it happens on Sunday mornings, folks. So uh, we'll think of the player. But people I'm looking at here, what about, I mean, the Pittsburgh defense. I know this isn't a great spot. What about Baker at 43% owned? His numbers haven't been that great. So, eh. Right? Just it's that. okay. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I think the thing you'd like about Baker Mayfield this week is going to be similar to what you'd like about someone like Case Keenum in that he's going up against a team that can put plenty of points on the board in the situation they're in, and he's going to be forced to play some catch-up. So it might be catch up while making mistakes and it might not be you know optimal efficiency but it might just be enough yardage and and you know rally scoring to kind of prop up his value for this week but i don't think there's that much of a gap between mayfield and case keenum this week even though there's almost a 20 percent ownership gap on yahoo between those two players okay yeah keenan's 24 percent um with hooker out i mean the indie defense is not bad but Derek Carr, 26% owned at home. Any any interest there? I mean, I know everybody hates yeah, Derek Carr I, now, but... I I mean, I'm not burying him, but I, I like both Baker and Keenum better. I think I even like Keenum a little better than Baker. So if I'm ranking those three guys, Keenum one, Baker two this week, and Carr three. And part of the problem with Carr, it's the weapons. I mean, Amari Cooper being gone, sure. Amari Cooper was wildly inconsistent, but 
you're replacing him with well past age 30 Jordy Nelson, uh, Seth Roberts, you know, Brandon LaFell, guys that aren't going to be able to do nearly as much after the catch as Cooper might have been. So I think that that's going to hurt Carr not having Amari Cooper, even though he wasn't you know, propping up Cooper's fantasy value every single week. All right. Let's go straight to wide receivers since you talked about the Raiders. Martavis Bryant, 13% owned. Offensive coordinator was talking him up today. Mm-hmm. He's still like a high risk, high reward yep. from both season long and DFS perspectives. But anytime you're giving him maybe two or three extra targets in the game plan, that does add to his appeal a lot because he can do as much with two or three targets as almost anybody at the wide receiver position. Re- recent addition to my fishbowl roster, by the way, Martavis Bryant. So. To the point where I don't know what wide receivers to play this week. That's that's not a bad problem to have, I guess. And I did play Danny Amendola, by the way. So there. <laughs> Even though it's half-point PPR. He threw a touchdown. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you probably did a backflip in your living room when that happened. I really did. I was like, oh my gosh, look what he did. This is great. I'm a genius. Yeah, whatever. Um, all right. Other wide receivers. Christian Kirk, 29%. Not bad. There's something there with him and Rosen, it looks like. Uh, any desire to get back on the Kelvin Benjamin bandwagon after last week? The game script is really favorable and that they're huge underdogs again and, and volume could be there. I just think your your payoff most weeks is going to be pretty similar to what we saw last week. 55, 65 yards, something in that range. Maybe in a good week, you get 70 or 80. And if he scores, you're really happy. If he doesn't, you're kind of just okay. You're kind of just surviving the week. Um, Cortland Sutton, even though the Demarius Thomas trade didn't happen yet, still 10% owned. I think this is the week where if you've been mixing and matching on the bottom of your bench to trying to catch lightning in a bottle, he kind of pops up into that list of players. Normally it's like backup running backs. It's Malcolm Brown and Spencer Ware and guys that are on awesome teams that if the starter in front of them gets hurt any given week, you want to be positioned to have that player on your roster when the backup emerges to take on the job. Sutton is probably interesting enough where you would think about using him in a spot like that. If you don't already have those spots filled with the Brown and Ware types, Cortland Sutton, I'd stash him away, see if the Broncos flip Demarius Thomas before the Tuesday deadline. All right. Um, I agree with you on that, that he's a, he's a good spec play. Uh, we mentioned Jermaine Curse earlier. He's only 4% owned. I mean, he's probably my favorite on this whole list, and you can get him just about everywhere. I mean, you know, it's it's him or nothing for Sam Darnold, pretty much, or Herndon, who we're going to talk about in a second, right? I mean, that that's oh, it. He, he torched everybody last week too. There I was know. so much like cash game. There were there were cash game lineups that used Jermaine Curse last week. Yes, a lot people got burned because no, he didn't do anything, but he kind of has to now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he doesn't have to because I thought he had to last week, but I think he has to this week. And he's four percent out. I like I like him better than Kirk and Benjamin and Bryant. I mean, Bryant's got more upside, but Curse is more likely to go you know, six for 65 or something. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, running backs, um, you know, Hines is 32% owned, but, but that was sort of a, you know, hedging if Mac was out and it looks like Mac is going to play. Uh, Kenyon Barner, 29%. And I think you talked about him yesterday. That would be your guy. I think, I mean, look, Ivory's 23% and Lashawn McCoy might not play, but you know, you talked about game script and that, that Patriots Buffalo. I mean, I, I'm probably going to take the points in that game because it's too many for a team at home, but I think Barner, I mean, James White can't do everything. And I know there's burn potential for Barner that, you know, a guy who's hardly ever done anything that I'm going to count on to get 12 carries uh, all of a sudden for the Patriots. But I think he probably will if I had to guess. Yeah. I I just, I I look at that and I think they're going to have a big lead. They're not going to want to run 
key pieces too much. So a dozen plus carries in that offense against the Bills, possibly getting a few of those in the red zone. That that makes Kenyon Barner kind of the ideal emergency running back play in leagues where you're scrambling right now. I mean, last week he last week he ran ten times. Yeah, I mean, so. and then that was that was with Sony starting the game and and looking good too. So right, I think I think the path is there for uh, for Kenyon Barner this week. Kenyon Barner not a big time receiver in college, by the way. He caught in four years. He caught fifty four passes with a high of twenty. So, just in case you were wondering, hey, can he catch the ball? In addition, why catching the ball? No, probably not. He can. Tight ends. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones is getting five targets. He's twenty four percent on. You mentioned Charles Clay. That's another one. He's you know sort of doing the five targets a game thing. I mean, again, we're 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 it's the dredges that we're going after a tight end because if you if of the unknown guys, nobody's any good. You mentioned Herndon. That, that's that's probably your guy, right? I mean, unless you're trying to wait on Gronk and going to do the Clay thing, like you mentioned earlier. Herndon at six percent ownership. He didn't run a ton of pass routes last week, but you know the numbers were there enough so that if you, if you're trying to scramble for a tight end, he might be the one to pick. Yeah, and the Bears, as far as what they allow to opposing tight ends, have been kind of middle of the road. So it's not like you have a team that's shown a ton in in coverage against opposing tight ends or anything like that. It just comes down to the absence of receivers for the Jets continuing to prop up that floor for a guy like Chris Herndon. All right, and if you missed Herndon. The one I was looking at, maybe I'm crazy. Um, Jeff, uh, it's Hireman, right, for the Broncos? I believe so. Yeah. So he plays all the time but to block, and they play in three wide sets with Sutton. But when they played the Chiefs, the Chiefs give up a lot to tight ends, and when they played the Chiefs on Monday night a few weeks ago, he went four for 57 on seven targets. Maybe there's a – I mean, we, we already know the Chiefs are vulnerable there. Maybe if you have, I mean, he's 1% owned. I don't know. I mean, Herndon would be first for me, certainly. But anyway, you'd, how desperate would you have to be? I think is what I'm asking you. Um, if, if you're looking and, and Herndon's been scooped up, you're in a league where Herndon's already owned and you can't get access to one of the Baltimore tight ends, then I think yep. Hireman becomes interesting. And the Panthers are struggling against tight ends. Like It's one of the things, matchup-wise, we haven't necessarily talked a lot about. Uh, but in the six games they've played, They've been uh, giving up nine targets per game to opposing tight ends. They've given up uh, double-digit fantasy points, 12 fantasy points per game in standard leagues, so non-PPR scoring. Only Tampa Bay has been more generous with opposing tight ends so far. Um, So unfortunately, the Ravens like to mess around and kind of mix in Nick Boyle and Max Williams, but I'd I'd almost be more willing to take a chance on, on one of them than to lean on a guy like Hireman, who's just, as you said, usually in there to block. Yeah, the Panthers gave up. I think they gave a touchdown to Hooper. I think they gave up one to Eifert. Did they give up one to Red Allison? I don't remember. I think they might have. Yeah, okay. I know they gave up a bunch of catches to Ertz, but so does everybody. All right, folks, Kalo, that's Q-A-L-O, is the functional wedding ring. Kalo is the name in silicone wedding rings. Kalo rings are designed to ensure that your hands are safe and comfortable in the workplace, the gym, the outdoors, and everywhere in between. Unlike traditional metal wedding rings, Kalo rings allow you to keep your ring on in times where a traditional metal wedding ring would need to be removed. Kalo rings allow people to live their lives safely and comfortably while still representing their commitment to their spouse and family. Kalo has created a special code for our listeners. Use the code ROTOWIRE at checkout at Kalo.com. Again, that's Q-A-L-O to get 20% off your order. Kalo is the choice of firefighters, military, 
law enforcement, carpenters, electricians, and mechanics for everyday wear. Available in 18 different styles and over 50 colors, Kalo is the preferred ring of pro athletes. They've got NFL players Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton, Jordy Nelson, and Derek Carr, NBA MVPs Steph Curry and LeBron James, and Major League Baseball All-Stars Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Chris Bryant. They all trust Kalo on and off the field. Visit Kalo.com and don't forget to use code ROTOWIRE at checkout for 20% off your order. Thanks, Kalo.com. All right, the DFS value report is up. FanDuel first, what do you think? Good? Sure. Let okay. it rip. DFS value report for FanDuel. Um, I wound up, you know, it's again, for FanDuel, it's, it gets kind of, I don't want to say boring when we do the optimizer, but I look at the value and it goes, Mahomes, okay, Mahomes, Winston, Stafford. Mahomes is obvious. What do you think about Stafford there? since his volume has kind of gone down the last four weeks or so. So I think Stafford is kind of your value cash game play on FanDuel. I don't think he has the ceiling most weeks to bring down a tournament unless they end up in a shootout. And I'm not sure Seattle's the kind of team that's going to end up in a lot of shootouts. So I I think it's fine. I don't like him on DraftKings because the pricing of other quarterbacks relative to Stafford there is different. But 7,300 on FanDuel is actually pretty cheap relative to what else is on the board this week. I mean, if you you go under 7,500, you're looking at Flacco. I I just I don't trust him as like a cash game option, especially in a tough matchup against Carolina. Uh, You start looking at like CJ Beathard on the late part of the slate on the road against Arizona. That doesn't feel good. Baker Mayfield on the road at Pittsburgh is 7,200. Alex Smith, 7,200. It just seems like Stafford's price down even lower than he should be, despite the legitimate concerns about him not having to throw as much as he's had to throw in the past. Yep. All right, running backs, uh, you know, Gurley and, and Gurley, Barkley, Hunt, McCaffrey. I'm moving on from this. That's boring. Um, <laughs> who else would you pick? I mean, Gur- Gurley is, is the best value at 11,000 on FanDuel. The, the usage and the implied team totals are just so ridiculous right now. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a, a preview of the DFS episode this week. I mean, Kareem Hunt, I just think the way the, the board sets up for DFS, because Kareem Hunt is almost $3,000 less on FanDuel than Todd Gurley, paying up for Gurley is not as necessary this week as it has been the last couple of weeks. I think you're going to see a lot of people taking the discount on Hunt you have an offense in Kansas City implied total of 31.75, so only a point and a quarter less than the Rams. You save almost $3,000. It gives you so much more flexibility elsewhere in your lineup. I think you're going to see similar approaches where like James Conner and maybe Joe Mixon are the second running backs for people that are going to pay up for both. I think this is a week where Gurley, despite the fact that he can even make value at 11K, he's going to be less utilized this week than in weeks past because of the pricing on players behind him and just who actually fell onto this main slate compared to previous weeks. So maybe this is the week to buy Gurley there because less people will be on it. Like in a tournament, I think it is going to be a good Gurley week. And people, I mean, he's not hiding from anybody. You're not going to get him at low ownership. You're going to get him at lower ownership. And if you think he's going to go off with the Rams putting up all those points, then absolutely go for it. All right. Um, Value meter at wide receiver. Beckham, Tyree Kill, T.Y. Hilton. I, I, I like T.Y. Hilton. It's funny, and, and it's not because of last week. Even though you know he he got two touchdowns, he had a big day, but he was four for twenty-five, and everything was short. But now that T.Y. is back healthy, 
and Luck's throwing plenty. Like you, you think the field, especially with Mac running, I would think things are going to open up a bit for Ty. I would think so too. I still think there's a little more of a GPP lean with him, only because of the way Andrew Luck is dumping the ball off to tight end so much. Maybe having potentially both Doyle and Ebron on the field together also chips away at the volume ceiling for T.Y. Hilton a little bit, but the price is still very fair. It's great value. I just am more inclined to eat a little chalk, use him in tournaments at that price, as opposed to relying on him as a cash game building block. All right, and uh, at tight end, Travis Kelsey, far and away uh, the highest price tight end and atop the value meter. He's $500 more than, uh, than Kittle. But the value meter has him way ahead of Kittle and Joku. So, uh, you know, it's telling, it's screaming at you to use Travis Kelsey. Let's go to DraftKings. DraftKings, the quarterback values are Jared Goff, top of the list. Warms your heart as a Packer fan, doesn't it? I mean, I, I fully expect this to be a case where the Packers can score enough points to create a shootout. And the Rams are just going to need to keep airing it out to keep Rodgers from being close enough to win the game late. Like that's that's a, a game script that's really favorable, even though the Rams are almost ten point favorites. So, uh, as far as your cash game options go on DraftKings, Goff makes as much sense as anybody. Jameis Winston's kind of right there with them at six thousand flat as well. Um, but I like Goff even better than Winston because I just think you you could get even more scoring output overall. And I almost wonder if in tournaments this week if he ends up being lower owned than he should be, even though he'll be somewhat popular. I don't think it's going to be extreme chalk. I think there's enough viable quarterbacks to spread things around a bit. But I think Jared Goff uh, kind of fits lineups in both formats this week. All right, so your top two at running back here. Jalen Richard, who I love. At 4,200, it's, it's easy to love him here in the PPR format. But Crowell... 3700 is $500 cheaper. They are the top two on the value meter. So... PPR you, and matchup-wise, you would lean Richard. But, man, that's cheap for Crowell in a situation where Powell's out and you think he's going to – I mean, may, maybe you think they're going to lose, but he's going to get the ball an awful lot. Yeah, the, the tricky thing about it with Crowell is if you, if you expect him to lose the passing down work to Cannon, the game script could be pretty bad because they're eight-point underdogs. Yep. I, I think Crowell's a good enough runner where you know, the carry floor is pretty high. The possibility of catches is there. I don't think this is totally unlike the circumstances with Nick Chubb a week ago. The Bears defense probably better against the run than Tampa Bay. So that, that's, a, that's part of the analysis. And as pure talent goes, I think Nick Chubb is always going to be viewed as a much higher ceiling player than Isaiah Crowell. But the situation really isn't that bad at the price. I think Isaiah Crowell is actually cash game viable because he's so cheap on DraftKings. Right. Even with the uncertainty about how much he'll catch passes in this particular matchup and in most weeks in general. Who would you, would you, I mean, everything depends on other people in your lineup. Would you rather do that price for Crowell or pay the extra 500 for Richard? If I'm only getting one to my lineup and in most cases, that's how it's going to play out. I'm probably paying the $500, um, paying down the 500 bucks, saving that 500 for something else and, and going with Crowell. I mean, there's some, Interesting receivers this week that we're going to talk about that I think are worth spending up more for. Like normally I'm kind of locked into the the six thousand dollar receivers. This week I might want to have a little more exposure to the seven thousand dollar receivers. So aside from going like Hunt and and Mixon and Connor potentially instead of like a Gurley this week, 
I think going a little cheaper in the flex spot also opens up some money for upgrades at receiver. All right, let's go to receiver for DraftKings. Um, T.Y. Hilton, top of the value meter here, is salary is 6300 Then you go Beckham Brown, who are pricier. Then you get cheaper. Right after that, you've got Demarius Thomas, 4900 Crabtree, 4800 Martavis Bryant, our buddy there, at 3700 and then Sammy Watkins at 4600 who you couldn't pay me to use there. It may be in a tournament, but I, I don't want any part of Sammy Watkins generally. Who do you like? I mean, T.Y. is not a bad price. You talked about $6,000-ish wide receivers, but do those are those cheap guys kind of – is one of them kind of yelling out to you? For cash games, it's Michael Crabtree. Uh, I think his week-to-week target volume has been more steady than I expected. And in a full PPR scenario, I think I trust him more than – uh, any of, of Watkins or Bryant, but also of Demarius Thomas. I think what Demarius Thomas has become is more of a, a GPP consideration. His target volume the last five weeks has been six, four, six, seven, and five. Catches have gone five, three, five, four, five. Uh, if you want to throw Thomas out there because you're expecting Keenum to get those extra attempts, like we talked about earlier, I totally get it. I don't think he's a cash game play, even though the price has fallen below five thousand. I think Mike Crabtree is that that sort of safe floor guy right now. And then for tournaments. My read would be that people are going to be on Martavis Bryant. People are going to be a little bit on Sammy Watkins because he's just he's a chief and they're implied to score so many points. I just think Thomas is going to be kind of the forgotten man. With, with the rumors persisting that the Broncos were looking at trading him, he might be the kind of guy that just under 5K in tournaments flies more under the radar than he should. Even if the Chiefs' defense is average or even a little better, there could be a lot more volume to go around this week in Denver, and that could prop up Thomas a bit. Okay. At tight end um, on the DraftKings value meter, Kelsey up top again. Nick Vanette next. Really? Am I missing something? Mm-hmm. Mm, price is really low. He's under 3K on DraftKings, and the the projection has him at 7.5 points, so that's probably three catches for 45 yards, something along those lines, which if you think about it that way, it's like, oh, that's not that much. And if he scores, does three for 45 and a touchdown – at 2,900, you're in really good shape. I think it's definitely more GPP than uh, than cash. I think it's, it's it's a smart sort of tournament punt if you don't like other options at tight end. But I like other options at tight end. The position's been kind of fluid over the course of the season. We have the top-end guys going on and off the main slate a lot. you got to pay up to get Kelsey if you want him. He's 6,800. Having him on the slate helps. Burton's role looks like it's stabilizing for the Bears. He's still under 5K. And I'm not moving away from Njoku or O.J. Howard right now. Njoku's 4,600. Yeah. I've kind of moved to the point where I like Njoku because he's cheaper than Jarvis Landry as the consistent guy in the Cleveland passing game that I can plug in, get a little bit of exposure, get that sort of catch-up time production, and and still come pretty close to what some of the higher-end tight ends are doing. But this week, I think O.J. Howard, just under 4K at 3,900, is going to be a very steady cash game play uh, because this Bengals-Bucks matchup should be one of the best shootouts on the board. Yep. Um, Chris Herndon, 2,800, by the way. Not high Also good. Mm-hmm. I, I would play, I mean, if you're thinking about a, a cash game cheap play, I think Herndon's quietly making a case for that because of the attrition around him at wide receiver. And if you only wanted to use them in tournaments, I'd understand. But I just think his target floor might be like six or seven. Right. At, at under 3K, that, that's, that's enough in a cash game. What is your 
for DraftKings, what's your for for ca your cash game baseline? What's your what's your point total for DraftKings that you're shooting for in a cash game at this point? I think the, the cash line keeps coming out. What is it like 160, 165? Yeah. I remember I've been checking it out most weeks and blanking on it off the top of my head. But it's gone up it, though. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's up. Like it, it's up else. because I, I think people are locked in on paying for the stability of high end running backs and they've been returning really nice value even at high prices every week. So I think that's part of what's driven that cash line up so much. Okay. Now we're going to go to fancy draft who's sponsoring this podcast and go to the value meter there. Um, quarterback, the value meter, Jared Goff and Jameis. Okay. I know I actually want to talk about Jameis. His price is low. His price is kind of low here. Like, uh, he's 11300 and he was low on the other ones, too. 11300 he's similar to Goff and Luck, but he's way behind Cousins and behind what Watson was and way behind Mahomes. Look, Jameis didn't throw any touchdowns last week. This team can't run. In two games, two starts, he's thrown 93 passes, and he's thrown for 760 yards. There's so much, and he's running. He's run 15 times for 84 yards and two starts. There is more of this coming. They can't run. They're terrible at it. He's got great receiving weapons, and they can't run at all. I, I love this guy. When is the salary going to go up? Probably in the next week or two. I, I, I think it's going to be kind of universal across all the DFS platforms. Uh, if Winston goes off, has a big matchup this week against the Bengals and cashes it in, I think you're going to see that hike start taking effect for week nine. All right. Um, the running backs on the value meter for fantasy draft, James White up at the top. Uh, and then the Richard Crowell pairing after that before we get to the girlies. And Chris Carson is actually in there. I'm not sure I like Chris Carson in this one. Maybe the Damon Harrison thing is freaking me out a little too much about Chris Carson. But I think the part of Chris Har or of, of Chris Carson's game that I'm I'm not really sold on at all is that he has a role if they fall behind the passing game. He's yep. got four targets, I think, in the last four games he's played. Like that's that's not a good sort of fallback in a PPR scenario. You, right. know, you have to stay up ahead if you're going to do that. And I just don't really trust Seattle's offense to have enough leads to want to play Carson even at discount. All right, running backs, uh, the value, sorry, wide receivers, the value meter for fantasy draft um, in order. Beckham, Antonio, T.Y., Thielen, Golden Tate. That's a good one. Um, and Doug Baldwin. There's some faith in Doug Baldwin here from the value meter. That, that he's back after his good outing before the bye. What do you think? I like it. I mean, I think he had the eight-target game against Oakland. Raiders' defense is pretty bad, six for 91. It seems like he's trending in the right direction. The long week with the bye week to get him a little healthier can only help. And, you know, I, I think the, the way they can move him around a little bit bodes pretty well. He's got that rapport with Wilson, and they don't have a ton of weapons there. It's kind of just the Baldwin-Lockett combo. Uh, maybe more gets a little involved too, but I, I think Baldwin can get back up to 10 targets a week. And if you want to say because of the need that he's a risk to leave early and you only feel comfortable in tournaments, I get it. I think you're going to see tournament ownership rates on Baldwin tick up quite a bit because of how productive he was in that final game prior to the bye week. All right. Um, just by the way, everybody, you can use the DFS optimizer to make a lineup. You want to hear the DraftKings lineup I made? I, yeah, what do you got? I plugged in. Devontae Adams for 7,900 and Jermaine Curse for 4,300. And I told the Opto to pick the rest for me. It came back with Jared Goff at quarterback, 
Connor and Richard at running back, which I liked. See what they tell, you got to explain this to me after I'm done. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the rest of the lineup. I got Devonte, Antonio, and Ty at receiver with Curse at the flex. Nick Vanette, who we talked about earlier, and then the Steelers um, defense. When I do the optimizer, I, I I feel like often I get two guys on the same team, mm-hmm. like not the core, but I get a running back and a receiver. Is when I go optimizer, is it telling me cash or is it telling me tournament or does it? Is it differentiating that way? So I think I think the problem here. Here's my biggest criticism of our optimizer currently, and I, I want people to to know this because I want them to understand what the tool is really doing. I don't think it's necessarily leaning cash or tournament, and I think it's just looking for the best possible value right. across the board in a lineup, and it's doing that independent of having multiple players on the same team. So what I always do when I'm using the optimizer, I, I start by doing what you did. I find a couple of players I like, I lock them in, I run it, I look for little things like that that I don't like, I look for players I don't like, I exclude those players, and I keep running it until I get a lineup I want. All right. I don't run it and, and just take the first thing it gives me. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, I, w- I would not do that. Maybe the one in a hundred times, if I click in three or four players, it doesn't pull in something I don't like. But I'm always running that thing just looking for ways to fill different gaps. And like what I did, I, the lineup I just got, I locked in Devontae Adams and Brandon Cooks. And I did it from a, a, a tournament mindset, knowing that Cooks is going to be pretty high on this week at 6,900 on DraftKings. And I ran it, it threw back Jared Goff, it threw back Isaiah Crowell at the discount at 3,700, uh, Jalen Richard as the second running back instead of the flex. And it gave me Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham to pair with Devontae Adams and Brandon Cooks. So it's going real heavy with receivers. And for a tournament, I think I'd be willing to take on that that variance. It gave me Nick Vanette as the tight end at 2,900. Um, I'd probably switch that to Herndon, just out of a personal preference standpoint. Yep. And it threw back the Steelers defense, which for 2,300, I'm not seeking out the Steelers defense. I just like how cheap it is. And I think Baker can make mistakes and he Absolutely. can be sacked a bunch of times and they're at home. So it just checks a lot of boxes. So even if the Steelers defense is 30% owned this week, I kind of don't care because they're so cheap. It frees up a lot of flexibility higher up in the order than if I'm paid up for a higher end defense. Yeah, but you got two cheap running backs there, which works. Actually, it's funny. When I first did it, I had Curse in and it put Crowell in there. And I said, well, if I'm taking two guys, it's definitely not from the Jets. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I threw Crowell it, out and it re- and redid it. So. And it, it, here's, the, here's the thing I would do, too. If it, if it points you that way, if it gives you a couple players on the same team, I might think, oh, okay, if I'm building a tournament game stack lineup and I'm going to use maybe two receivers, a receiver and a tight end and a quarterback in the same team because I think this is the week that Sam Darnold, Herndon, and Curse go off and I want to have chalk everywhere else, maybe I kind of look at what team it's pointing me to, think about the players I like on that team, lock in the ones I like from that team for purposes of a stack, and then see what I can do. So I just think you want to... You kind of want to contextualize the lineup you're trying to build yourself as you lock and exclude things in the optimizer. You don't want to just say, I like these two guys. Give me a lineup. Because I, I think, at least for our optimizer, it's just not built that way. Right. And I think people should know like what it is built to do and what it's not built to do. Yep. I think that's, I think that's a good tutorial on it. Um, but I, but it's, it's a really helpful thing. And, and I agree. I, play, I, I do what you do. I play around with it a little bit until um, it gives me lineups I like. But then what happens is, I, when I play around with it and the guys I delete score 30 DraftKings points, then I get mad. 
So and I say, fine, I'm yeah. just going to listen to this stupid computer and be done with it. <laughs> the cool thing you can do, too, there's a button on there. It's, it says save lineup and, and get alerts. You don't have to turn the alerts on, but you can save your lineups to your, your account and then look back at the ones you didn't play uh, after the fact because it'll show you on the saved lineups page what each of the lineups you generated did. And you right. can kind of keep an eye on like, oh, okay, well, I threw this guy out for this reason. This ends up being the best lineup. Maybe I should trust this scenario more next time. You can maybe learn from some of the things that you're staying away from. Got it. All right. Um, what do you got going on this weekend? Chest freezer? Still not yet? Oh, man. I am trying to avoid. There is like a, a bug, either a, just a bad cold or maybe even like a flu bug going around. Oh, yeah. And it, I can feel it closing in, John. Like um, my wife's been pretty pretty sick this week. The um, other people in my life, like people at work are getting a little sick. I get some friends where their kids are sick and now the parents are coming down with it. It's just, it's closing in and I'm just hoping that if I'm drinking the green tea and orange juice and exercising that I'll be able to avoid it. But I, I'm really hoping I don't spend this weekend just on the couch kind of out of commission completely just like half asleep watching sports because... I don't need to have a, a two-day shutdown this weekend. Right. Yeah, my, my son's got pneumonia, so oh, we're struggling. Yeah, I hope too. he gets better soon. Yeah, he's kind of laying on the couch. He's been out of school all week. It's been kind of rough, but he'll be happy to, you know, he, basically the kid could watch Marvel movies all day long, so he's pretty happy right now other than the incessant coughing. But, yeah, so, yeah, we've had a little of that down here too. So, anyway, I hope you feel better. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm good so far. I hope everybody out there that's fighting stuff off helps get so gets away from it. I'm going to probably get a flu shot like on my way home today, too, just to be not, not that it's going to work immediately. Like if I've already caught something, it's going to happen. But I'm I'm definitely trying to stay away from the uh, the DL if I can. All right, um, folks, listeners to our podcast and get a free 10 day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, folks, please leave us a review and a rating wherever you're listening. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. We'll be back on Monday to review the weekend. Please come on back then. If you have any questions along the way, he's at Derek Van Riper on Twitter. I'm at Jay Halpin37. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week eight.